Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. There's a weight that must be lifted. There's a trophy to be won. Open your Bible to Ruth chapter 3. Ruth chapter 3 is we're going to conclude this mini-series in the book of Ruth as we've been going through the book of Ruth verse by verse, but we've gotten all the way to chapter 3, and now we're going to conclude this section, this mini-series on developing a deeper relationship with God. We are reading about Ruth developing a deeper relationship with Boaz, and we're seeing the picture there of the Redeemer and the redeemed, or Christ in the church, that's Ruth and Boaz, Boaz being the picture of the Redeemer, uh, Ruth being a picture of the believer, and so we're seeing these lessons, it's a story of love, it's a historical event that took place, but there is so much for you and me to learn beyond just the relationship of Ruth and Boaz, it is our relationship of we're believers with Christ, and it's been a wonderful journey in the book of Ruth. And it is, again, the overarching story of redemption. Uh, it's a picture that is drawn of Christ and the believer, and it's extraordinary. And we've seen in the past several weeks, even going back now probably a couple months, we've been going through this book of Ruth, and we've seen in chapter 1, we saw the mistakes to avoid while dealing with tragedy. And then chapter 2, we saw keys to inviting God to work through you. And then in chapter 3, we begin a couple of weeks ago, we saw that we are developing, or how to develop a deeper relationship with our Redeemer as Ruth is developing that deeper relationship with Boaz. And so we saw in chapter 3 already, we've seen the steps that Ruth has been taking to grow her relationship with Boaz, and we see the steps that we must be taking to develop a deeper relationship with our Lord. Like Ruth, we must learn not to be satisfied with just a surface relationship. Ruth was not. She had had contact with Boaz. She had been noticed by Boaz. Uh, they had a relationship already, but she wanted more than just scraps. She wanted more than just the gleanings. She wanted more than just what could be picked up. She wanted something deeper, and therefore in the story, she proposes marriage to Boaz. And she did not rely on just the leftovers. She did not rely on just the gifts of her Redeemer. She wanted something more, and she wanted the Redeemer for herself. We must want Christ for ourselves. And when we have Christ for ourselves, then we have all that he owns because we're joint heirs with him. And it's not the gifts that we seek, but it is the giver of gifts that is our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So how do we do that? How do we develop that deeper relationship? That's what we've been talking about the last few weeks. Last week we were off, but the two weeks before that, we were talking about how we must prepare ourselves for the Redeemer. We saw Ruth preparing herself to meet Boaz or to propose marriage to him. She already knew him, already had a relationship. So the picture is of the saved person now going wanting something deeper. We, 
if we're saved, must want something deeper. And so therefore, Ruth had instructions, an instructor in Naomi in how to do that. We must find the instruction that is true. We do that through the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit, of course, echoes or is, is in unison with the Word of God. We also must prepare ourselves for the Lord, just as Ruth prepared herself for Boaz. And we saw in chapter 3 where she washed herself, she anointed herself, she changed her clothes. Just as we don't just haphazardly dive into this deeper relationship, but we must work and prepare ourselves for the Lord. And she learned how to approach, and we must learn how to approach. And also as part of that, in the deeper relationship, we must determine that we are going to obey the instructions and the will of God even before we know it. Determine now, determine the day that you're going to obey all that he says and all that he would have you to do. Ruth promised to obey. She said, all that you say I will do um, and to, to Naomi, and we must determine as well. Uh, to obey the Lord even before he gives us the commands and what his will will be for us. We also saw that we, the lesson, or we're seeing now, beginning two weeks ago, the lesson of submitting yourself to the Redeemer. And we looked two weeks ago at how Ruth fell at the feet of her Redeemer. We must fall at the feet of our Lord in submission. We must embrace what he says, we saw in verse 10 through 14, she embraced, accepted, loved, cherished what he was saying and the words that he was saying. We must do the same with God's word and what he has for us. And then we also see the, the third and fourth point under this submitting to the Redeemer that we're going to see today. I want you to see that we must receive what he has for us and also we must wait for his timing. So let's dive in now. Having given you all that summary and all that uh, review, let's dive in now to chapter 3, and I'm going to pick up in verse 11. This is where Boaz is now answering Ruth's proposal. She's basically proposed, and, and she was taught how to do that by Naomi, and now Boaz is answering her. She's asked him to be her kinsman redeemer. That's the proposal. And now Boaz is answering in verse 11. And now, my daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requirest, or all that, you, all that you're asking. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman, howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well... Let him do the kinsman's part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee, as the Lord liveth. Lie down until the morning. And she lay at his feet until the morning, and she rose up before one could know another. And he, and he said, Let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. Also, he said, Bring the veil that thou hast upon thee, and hold it, and when she held it, he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her, and she went into the city. And when she, had, when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? 
And she told her all the man had done to her. And she said, These six measures of barley gave he me, for he said to me, Go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. Then she said, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us, Father, to understand the lessons that we are to be learning in this book of Ruth and the picture of the Redeemer and the redeemed. And Father, I pray that you'd help us to submit to your will, submit to your plan, to fall at your feet, to prepare ourselves for what you have for us and to to dive into a deeper relationship with you. God, you want deeper with us and you will take us deeper if we are just but willing And God, help us to seek, help me to seek a deeper relationship with you. Help me not be satisfied with just what we find laying around and what falls from the sky. But God, help us to seek for ourselves, you and your son, and all that you have for us. Let us be determined now that we will obey. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we've said, we're now going to dive into this part. We've talked about embracing what he says. We've talked about, or I'm I'm sorry, we're talking about falling at the feet of the Lord. That was verse 6 through 9. We saw that we learned how to do that in verse 1 through 5, the instruction that was necessary. 6 through 9, Ruth falls at his feet. We must fall at the feet of the Lord. And then verse 10 through 14, she embraces the words that he has for her that comfort her. We must embrace the words that God has for us. And then we must receive what he gives. Receive what he gives. And that's the point for tonight, the first point for tonight. Receive what he gives. Verse 15, he also said, bring the veil that was upon thee and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her, and she went into the city. God has much for us, but we must be willing to hold it, to receive it, to accept it, to embrace it. Oh, my friends, listen, God will always give us what we need. He always has. He always has given us what we need. Before we were ever saved, he gave us enough faith to be saved. In other words, he gave us creation. The very beginning, he gives us creation. He gives us all that is required or necessary for us in life, but also gives us enough to what is necessary for us to have eternal life. And he gives everybody a little bit of faith. Gives everybody a little bit of faith. And that's enough faith to be saved. And then once we're saved, he doesn't leave us with just a little bit of faith, but the purpose and his desire is to grow our faith. What he has begun... when. It, He has begun a good work in us, and he will complete that work. And so, therefore, it's a process of growing our faith. But in the beginning, he gives what is needed, and we saw that in the picture of Ruth and Boaz. In the beginning, Boaz gave her what she needed. She needed food for the day. She needed protection for the day. She needed uh, to be taken care of in that 
day. And certainly, as we go back in chapter 2, we saw that he did just that. He gave permission to stay with the workers and to glean after them. We saw that he protected her, telling his servants, uh, telling her to go with the ladies, the maids that were in the field as well, and to stay with the servants, and they were not to touch her. He was protecting them or her from any harm that would follow, fall, uh, fall on her. He also was uh, instructing his workers to leave extra in the field for her, deliberately dropping grain. In fact, she even had her sit the table uh, in the house and took care of her and refreshed her and gave grain out of his own hand. He passed the grain to her. He shared it from his own hand. First day that she went home, he also gives her a little more than a half a bushel of grain. In other words, it was enough for that moment. The half a bushel would have been a day or a, a couple of days worth of food. A little bit more than a day's worth of food is what she was getting, or a couple of days worth of grain for what she needed. He had done enough, Boaz did enough to get her attention and to show favor on us and God will do enough to get our attention. God allows things in our life. God blesses us with things in our life. God grants us things in our life with breath and our lungs, with a heart to beat in our body, to strengthen our body and our arms and our feet. He gives us nature and he gives us air and he gives us water and he meets our needs enough to get our attention. Enough to get our attention. Oh my friends, I pray that you see that. I pray that all that you have that is, I pray that you see that all that you have that is good comes from the Lord. But for a lost person, they look at, where's this all this coming from? Where's all this coming from? And the fact is, is that when we begin to look and we begin to see, God begins to reveal himself. And so I pray that we are seeing these things, and I pray that we are understanding these things, and I pray that we would understand that God is the one that doing what is required to get our attention, and he grants us the faith that we need to believe in him, to take the next steps. And that's what we're seeing here. But also we're seeing that he gives more than enough. Because in this passage, and we need to be, by the way, this is why I said we need to be willing to accept what he gives. Ruth had to accept the protection. Ruth had to accept the provision. Ruth had to accept the attention. We must do the same with God. We must acknowledge him and bless his name and praise his holy name and be willing to say, yes, this is God that has given me this. Oh, yes, God may use my hands and my feet. God may use somebody else. God may use a friend, an employee, a preacher, a missionary, a parent, somebody. But it's from God. And when we accept that and we receive that and we trust in him, we put our faith in him, then we find that he's giving us far more than we ever could even ask for and more than we need. He gives more than enough. You say, where do you see that at? I see that because then in this passage here, he says, hold out your skirt, basically. And he told her, uh, 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 let me go back here. Um, Bring the veil, the mantle is the word there, that thou hast upon thee, the covering that you have, and basically hold it. And when he held it, he measured six measures of barley, basically enough food for more than two weeks for Ruth 
and Naomi. Before she had enough for a couple days. Now she has enough for two weeks to take back to Naomi. We see that because he says in verse 17, she said, These six measures of barley gave he me, for he said to me, Go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. God, or Boaz, gave her more than enough. God will give us more than enough. When, we're, when we look to him, when we trust in him, we find that he gives more than enough. Can I just share with you some examples of how God gives more than enough? I pray that you know this in your life. I pray that your eyes are open to this in your life. But look at this. Watch in the Word of God as we see that God delights in pouring out blessings upon us. In like I said, in chapter 3, he gave her two bushels of grain. But then also, if we go farther on in God's word, we see that Peter, remember the great catch when he said, cast your net on the other side. They hadn't caught anything all day, all night. He says, cast your net on the other side. And it required them to call in their other boats, their other friends, to haul the fish to shore. He fed the 5,000, and there were 12 small baskets of food left over from just a little bit of food that they had to begin with. He fed the 4,000, and there were seven large baskets of food that were left over from just a little bit of food that they had begun with. Listen, he grows our faith as we walk with him. The things that he does in our life, the miracles and the works that he does, the wonders that he does, the peace that he gives, the comfort that he provides, he gives more than enough if we're willing to look to him. And I pray that you are seeing that, and I pray that you will accept that. But not only does he give enough for the days that we have now, but he gives assurance for the future. Go back again, we see that he said, Don't be afraid, fear not, I will do for thee all that thou requirest, all that you've asked, I will do. You see, he gives assurance, God gives assurance of the future, just as Ruth was, or Boaz was giving Ruth assurance for the future. Do you see that? Do you see how, listen, he says, I'm going to take care of what you've asked me to do. The only thing that she asked him to do, that she asked to do, was to marry her. She didn't ask for the grain. She didn't ask for the protection. She didn't ask for the, for the companionship of, of the maids and the protection from the servants. She didn't ask for anything, but God, or I'm sorry, Boaz, generously granted it for her. And by the way, he easily granted it for her. He didn't wasn't a drop in the bucket to what Boaz had. And when God provides for you, it's not a drop in the bucket compared to what he has. He owns it all. Ruth never asked for a thing, but yet Boaz met her present and future needs. I will do all that's required. He calmed her nerves and provided confidence. And she had confidence because of what he had already done. We can have confidence in God because of what he's already done. And so therefore we need to accept what he gives from his hand to us. The, the, the fourth thing, or the second thing today, the fourth thing in this section, is we must wait for his time. Wait for his time. 3.18, and actually let me go back if I could, where we see this. Fear not, there's the words of comfort, I will do for thee all that thou requirest. But then verse 13, he says, tarry this night, and it shall be the morning. 
And then also down in verse 18, sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. Be patient. Be patient. Here's something that I want you to understand. Here's something that I need to understand. We all need to understand because I was reminded of this today. God is in no hurry. There's no panic to God's will as far as God is concerned. Oh, sometimes there is on our end. In other words, we panic, we worry, we get in a hurry, but God is never in a hurry. He's never in a rush. He's never in a panic. Boaz told Ruth, tarry here the night, and in the morning I'm going to do all that I've said I'll do and all that you've asked. I'm going to go see it this other closer kinsman if he will redeem you and if he doesn't then I'm going to do it so I'm not going to go right this minute I'm not going to get up in the middle of the night but I will do it and sometimes we're like oh God you've got to do it now and oh God you've got to work now and, and just personally speaking for me I'm saying oh God you've got to grow the church now You've got to bring the results now. You've got to take care of these things now. But God says, hey, I'm in no rush. You say, well, wait a minute, but isn't God in a rush? Because the end is coming and the Lord is coming. Listen, yes, work for the night is coming when no man can work. There's a time coming when we can't work, and so therefore we need to be sure that we are busy about God's business now. That doesn't mean get ahead of God or rush now, because here's the thing. When's the Lord coming? When he says. He knows exactly when he's coming, but he's not in a panic about it. He's not in a rush about it. His will will be done, but he's like, oh, goodness, I've got to get it done before I blow the trumpet. No. Think about that for a minute. God knows exactly when he's coming. He knows exactly what the timing of it all is, and he alone, and he, therefore, is not in a panic or a rush like some of us might get when Vacation Bible School is coming and we've got some things we've got to do before it gets here. No, he knows exactly, and God's never in a hurry. Look with me, if you would, over in Hebrews. Turn with me, if you would, over to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. And it says this. Hebrews 10, verse 36 says this. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. In other words, we've got to be patient, because it's with faith, and patience that we will receive the promises of God. We get in a hurry, but God is not. Here's something that I have to realize, and I have to remember, and so do you. What God is doing, even through me and through you, does not end with us. 
In other words, what God is doing in me, with me, using me in his will, using you in his will, his will doesn't end with our life or our job. Now, I say we work until our life is over, until he comes again. But God's job or God's will doesn't just end with our finite life. And so, therefore, what God is doing will take place in God's timetable. Yes, I need to be faithful. I need to be diligent. I need to be busy about working in the field until my life is over, whenever that may be, or until God should come. But God's not in a hurry. Wait for his timing. Whatever it is that you're asking God for, whatever it is that you're trusting God for, whatever it is that you're believing God for, keep on trusting, keep on believing, keep on asking. But trust his timing. His timing. We are to be still. We are to wait, wait till morning. Naomi tells Ruth to sit and patiently wait. And we are to do the same, just like Ruth. God is not in a hurry. We are to be still. In fact, she told Ruth, verse 18, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. It's going to fall. Either the closer kinsman is going to redeem you or Boaz is. One or the other, it will be done. And so when we turn to God, one way or another, God's will is going to be done. And that's what we ought to desire is for his will to be done. Sit still. That was Naomi's instruction to Ruth. Think about this. Ruth would have accomplished Nothing following Boaz around while waiting on him to keep his promises. What good would she have accomplished? None whatsoever. Isaiah 37 says their strength. I didn't mark that one, but Isaiah 37 says their strength is to sit Still, our human nature is to help God out. That's what we think we're supposed to do. I'm supposed to help God out. Oftentimes in doing so, we get ahead of God and we make things more difficult on us. We stress ourselves out. We become impatient. We think we failed. We think God's failed. We get anxiety, whatever it might be. We get ahead, and it's just not God's time. That doesn't mean stop working, stop believing, stop trusting. It just means that if it hasn't happened yet, and you're busy working for the Lord and being faithful, then just trust that His timing will work out.
Naomi told Ruth to sit still, but if we go back and we look, Moses told the people of Israel to stand still. Remember when the people of Israel were exiting out of Egypt and then the Egyptians were pursuing them and they felt trapped as they came to the Red Sea. They felt trapped and the armies were coming and they were in a panic and they were crying out to Moses, do something. It would have been better if we had been still in Egypt than to die out here. But there was no need for panic. God had the situation well in hand, and God has your situation well in hand. And at the right time, the Lord, listen, as the Egyptians were bearing down on the people of Israel, the Lord told Moses, tell the people to go forward when it was time. There's a time to stand still and there's a time to march and we must listen closely and pay attention diligently so that we know the difference. Psalm 46.10, God's word tells us to be still. Not only are we to sit still and to stand still, but be still and know that I am God is what he says in Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Here's something interesting that I found out. When I studied the Hebrew word that is translated in English, stand still, the word means to take your hands off and relax. Take your hands off and relax. Our hands often get in the way and make a mess. God's hands work miracles and do the impossible. Can't help but think of that country song, Carrie Underwood, I think, sings that Jesus take the wheel. And I know it's a country song, but oftentimes we grip that wheel with white knuckles, the steering wheel of life careening through this journey on this little blue marble of a planet and this vapor of a life when in reality we ought to just take our hands off the wheel and relax. Remember the disciples in the boat that thought they were going to die in the storm? Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat, the bottom of the boat. They said, do you not care that we're going to perish? And Jesus said, of peace, be still, and the storm stopped. So here's the question. Are we waiting on God's timing? Are we receiving what God has for us? Are we listening to his words? Are we submitting to our Lord? Here's the test. And we submitted ourselves to God. Here's the test. A good test is are we willing to be still and trust him to complete his work, his will, and his way in our life and to accomplish all that he's promised? Or are we busy running here and to and fro? Again, don't misunderstand me. That doesn't mean we're not to be faithful and not to be serving and not to be ministering. I simply mean, are we running around like chickens with our head cut off? 
The evidence and the answer is when we are willing to be still and let him have his will and have his way and just relax. We do little good by running around trying to do everything for him. It's a lesson I've got to learn. It's a lesson you've got to learn. I pray that God will help us to learn it. Let's pray. We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you.